Golight presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Sybil Connolly had an talk like that. You know, they would construct a talk like that yeah, to be taken seriously at the right tables with the right women. But sure, everybody does it. Yeah, we so there's a clip of me on YouTube and I sound like Princess Diana. <laughs> like, I'm on head to toe. I'm a talking head on, on head to toe before Off The Rails even existed and I'm talking about styling boy bands and boy, boys on our uh, jumping around and I'm I'm talking like that and I, I was saying how wonderful it was to work with such young talented folk I mean ridiculous I'm Sonia Lennon and I'm Brendan Courtney and you're listening to the Lennon Courtney podcast this week can you believe it it's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> this week. <laughs> We've been doing this since March 2020. Can you believe this? In this episode, we're talking about good taste. While you may think that socks and sandals are the height of style, for others, it's a big no-no. But these days, is the concept of good and bad taste even a relevant thing anymore? Well, we're going to talk our way around it and present it to you. The Thinking Woman's Guide to Good Taste. Jolly good. So why do we put on English accents when we think of good taste? <laughs> well, now, that is the question, yeah. Mr. Courtney. That yeah. is. And do you know why? I can actually tell you why. <laughs> Edge of my seat already when we started. Oh, hold on, I, I haven't got my safety belt on. Go. <laughs> well, your friend and mine, Bourdieu, Member from college. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. cultural identity, cultural capital. Mm. He said that good taste was the preserve of the ruling classes. Bloody right. So was there ever a ruling class for the Irish than the bloody English? Okay. Right? Well, yeah, I suppose, and that uh, class accent, so the, the Anglo posh accent, is considered to be posh, right? So it's yeah. considered to be the top tier. Like the, the royal rules be like that. Blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> it was quite good, really, wasn't it? Um, there were three so, of us in the relationship. Should we do uh, <laughs> the, the whole episode like royalty with marble from the might? Might! It might get a bit tired. Take really it out of your might! <laughs> But and it, that's interesting, isn't it? So good taste is, appears to be. Well, I thought it was interesting. That's why I said it. <laughs> but then, because we have our own posh accents here now, you see. Yeah. Well, let, let's not go down the wormhole posh accents. So actually, what we were talking about was uh, the idea for this came from, and I love this idea. <clears throat> is that uh, Evie, your daughter, yes. describes people's flavour? Yes. And I love that, right? So we were talking about that and there was a, so somebody could be maybe a bit bitter <laughs> uh, yeah. or a bit sweet. And that's a flavour. And So that's very succinct, clever, nice use yeah. of language. And then we were saying, well, what do they taste like? <laughs> Salty. <laughs> but then we were saying, oh, so, so the good taste. So we were talking really about, <clears throat> sorry, something in my throat. We were talking really about, it started from people's flavour. Yes. And then mm-hmm. it spun into taste. Yes. So are they connected? Was that very tenuous? Uh, no, I don't think it's necessarily tenuous. I think taste, in its truest form, is is related to flavour and food uh, and sensations. Very good, right? Thank you. For so that's that. that's the primary connection between flavour and taste. But then, this concept of of taste, good or bad, um, was sort of um, 
it, it goes back a long old way, you know. So if you go back to, say, the Greeks, they had a formula for good taste. Did they? Yes. Go on. Yes. I love Greeks. <laughs> I do love Greeks. Couldn't eat a whole one. <laughs> so for them, it was... Um, about proportion, movement and balance. And so when somebody was producing a piece of art or a painting or whatever it was or folding a toga, it had to be about the right sort of balance of proportion, movement and balance. Nice. And those three principles had to be in place. But there was something then that sort of, you know, as sort of the 18th century philosophers started to think about, well, you know, that is theorising something that is perhaps most abundant in nature. And this concept that, um, you know, art is taste, you know, culture is taste, life experience, lifestyle, which only began as a concept in the 1980s. Lifestyle, imagine. Um, So uh, the philosopher um, Kant said, well, you know, what is more beautiful? Um, Birdsong or a constructed piece of musical art? Which would you tire of first? So if you listen to the same song on loop, on loop, no matter how beautiful, brilliant, balanced, proportional it was musically, you'd eventually tire of it. Would you tire of a bird song? Something that is just (laughs) devoid of... Funny you say that. (laughs) There's a bird sanctuary outside my apartment and it was... The wonderful James Cavanagh was in my apartment once. I said, oh, the birds drive me mad. And he said, that's the gayest, most middle class thing I've ever heard. No, I, I do love the birds. Song, yeah. Actually. yeah. But it's interesting, isn't yeah. it? That there's a kind of when, when when you take away those kind of binding principles of what's good and what's bad. And you, you look outside and, you know, trees will grow leaves year on year on year and birds will sing. And there's a kind of a, a freedom to that. And the minute that you start to put constraints around what's good and bad, and what you create with those constraints is deemed either good or bad taste. It becomes unnatural. And funny, our work on Off the Rails, where we were styling people, so we would listen to their taste as best we could and then try and merge it with something we think would work for them. So we listened to, to them a lot. Um, and what's interesting, is, and I'm going somewhere with this and that I'm going to ask a really blunt question because I think this was always very important to me to acknowledge and be aware that I had good taste, right? But what I realised that my good taste was only relevant to, to the audience I was trying to appear to have good taste to. So I didn't care what X thinks of my taste because they're not my audience. So I real so for example, the Kardashian fans, the girls who do the lots of makeup and the heavy heavy eyelashes, they don't care what I think of, and that was a real. That's a great sort of leveler because I'm not your audience. You're not trying to impress me. You're trying to impress your friends or attract a partner, whatever you're trying to do. I'm certainly not the one you're trying to impress. So you don't get, you don't care what my taste is. You know what I mean? And that's a leveler in and of itself. But for example, rest his soul, Alan. I was always trying to impress Alan because for me, Alan had impeccable, free taste, but also he was up his own arse as well in the nicest possible way. Do you know what I mean? I loved his taste. And Alan's taste and, and and sense of style was so baked into his identity. Yes. It was who he was in a way. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. So when, when the, this concept of good taste, and we spoke way back when in, say, the Stupid Fashion mm. episode about, you know, certain influencers of their day uh, creating fashions. 
um, like in outrageous fashions, like you know, everybody walking with a limp because yeah, somebody, the big, long yeah, shoes, whatever, tied yeah, uh, and so that that would start with the ruling classes, and then the sort of upper middle class, would upper classes it. would adopt it. But the minute the working classes adopted it, it the uppers eschewed it, it yeah. dropped it, didn't want to know. You know that it be, it had become, you know, in the parlance of the day, common. So I. So listen to this now. There's a, this is a really honest. I got known in 2008, nine for not wearing socks. It just drives me mad. And I used to say, I'm not a fashion. I'm a follower, not a leader. I'm a follower. And lots of people I liked had just stopped wearing socks with slip-ons. And I, I don't have sweaty feet, so it was comfortable. People obsessed on it, you remember? Mm, they did. They couldn't get over the fact that I didn't wear socks. They just couldn't let it go. It was annoying. In fact, sometimes on the airplane from London, I put socks on because I didn't want to deal with it. The minute I saw <laughs> wearing no socks, I stopped doing it. I was like, oh no, I'm not doing that now. They're all doing it. So what was in my head, you know, like, and it was just that, it was because it was common. Uh, there, I said it. Oh, it cuts out of the bag. I was like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore now. That It looks too weird now. Common in the truest sense of the word in that it was ubiquitous. That's it was everywhere. I mean. yeah. yeah. And also in the negative sense of the word. <laughs> When this concept started of good and bad taste, you know, and everything, we were in simpler times, right? And, and so the ruling classes adopted something that was good taste. It got disseminated down into the masses. They moved on, blah, blah. But you're, you hit on it at the very beginning that concepts of taste have now become tribal um, and, and the lines between um, social positioning and taste have become blurred. Um, and of course, yeah. Because of, of the uh, availability of, um, I suppose, influences, the media, you know, it's it's difficult to tell. And, and actually, there was a lovely article in um, The Guardian about the relationship between comfort and taste. And so if you look um, at um, how comfortable you want to be in your existence and yep. how much of a role that plays in your taste. Mm. And so she, she the, the journalist was talking about, um, you know, going to the big stately pile. Um, and having all this uh, sort of um, wealth baked into the home itself and everybody sitting around in blankets and coats because it was freezing, mm. uh, which was uncomfortable. Um, but that co- that nobody addressed that discomfort because the status was given by the environment. Wow. So if you think about, say, um, you know, working class house where everything is about creating comfort in that space with a a, a big, soft, uh, you know, really uh, oversized sofa and a a huge telly. Yeah. Right. Um, And and joyful floral cushions or curtains or whatever it is. And that's about comfort. That's about surrounding yourself with comfort and creating a nest. And I suppose... Fashion is one thing, but actually how we live our lives in our home is is almost a truer sense of our own style and taste. 
Yes. Yeah, there's a, I put it in our, our article notes, which we'll put in the newsletter, but there's a Grayson Perry documentary oh, a couple yes. of years ago where he made these, he visited kind of different cla- like classes and different levels, middle class and upper middle class. Da, 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 and he get, then based on the feedback and the investigation, he kind of made these tapestries. So say the upper middle class, it was a woolly old woolly jumper with holes in it and a barber and welly boots and they were freezing and shivering. And then in the middle class who they thought they were they were asked. They were living their aspirational lives. They'd have like a sky set TV box and a reed diffuser and whatever. But it was so interesting to see it all encapsulated. And for each of those different groups, they thought, "Well, we're living the right way, or we're living, you know, the way we should." We so should I, be. I know a couple of. I know a couple of people who are royalty. I know. Uh, uh, I can't say his name actually, but I know this guy. Anyway, he's he was Princess Diana's stepbrother. Would you believe? Mm-hmm. And um, really nice guy, actually. And he was very funny. And he hung out when I lived in London. He hung out with us. Johnny is his name. Doesn't He's a nice guy. He won't mind. But he used to tell me that he had like uncles and, and posh aunts and cousins. And the really upper, upper class. Being smelly is a thing. Not washing all the time. Washing is kind of for povos. It means and you have to go somewhere and interact with people or something, is it? That you... I think, I think there's a very old, stately higher level royalty that, well, that the rules wash. of social convention don't apply to you and that so you're above dusty houses them. was all about intellect and having books so dusty over cleaning was seen as proletariat proletariat yeah. And I, he would tell regale, like, it was really funny he'd say oh I've got this one uncle and he stinks and he's, but that's his thing I was like wow that's wild he said yeah they don't, they don't there's a lot of those very old you know, um, institutionalised in that higher level class, upper class thing. It's not fascinating. So it's all about audience, where you are in the environment totally. you're in, about how your class, about how your taste presents. You know, and it is sort of it's a costume. It is a drag. We all decide what what what's our fighter. What are we going to present ourselves? What do we want to say about? I I, I I was obsessed, and I think younger people are about presenting a certain vision of yourself, or obsessed with ironing, or obsessed with cleansing skin, or obsessed. Uh, I, I'm I'm just not that person anymore. Neither are you. No. No, it just I have it. Both stink. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually but quite I'm comfortable. Not, I mean, you obviously, one. It's more. We about, have five star reviews on Apple. I'll have you know. <laughs> you want to have. Uh, it's want to be. It's <laughs> Sorry, more, penny drop. I was like, I get the joke. Yeah, yeah. You, you want get to it. have um, be comfortable in your own skin. That's very important to us both. But also, we have grown into a style. Yeah. I think that's that's very that's very comforting as part of growing older that you actually get very comfortable in your own skin and so you don't give you give a less of a shit about what people think and that's very empowering isn't it mm, it really is it really is oh Esther says take a break <laughs> I wanted to ask you which is one of my favourite pieces of nonsense about good taste is Nikki Haslam oh this is brilliant. Esther, do you have the original tea towel available to you? I do, thank you very much. So, so me, let's explain. So explain. Nikki Haslam uh, was a society interior decorator. A toff. Right? A toff. And he was kind of just a, a bod around town. Party boy. Party boy, but also... Did, 80s? Uh, yeah, yeah, 80s. Um, and I, think when, he's, I think he's gentry, isn't he? I think he's kind of poshy mm, mom and stuff. I'm not sure. He's had, an, he's had multiple identities throughout his career. Yes. Um, and he became the self-proclaimed guardian of good taste. Um, and, and he commodified that position by creating uh, a tea towel, which is printed with Nikki Haslam's things he finds common. Esther, roll call. So this is the original uh, incarnation of the tea towel 2019. Scented candles, people who avoid carbs, 
saying bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> These are things he finds common. Common, yeah. I love it. Go on. Being ill. <laughs> Halloween. Agree. Uh, I'm on. I'm on with everything so far. Go. And then colour towels. Colour towels. There was mo- many more, but so, that was so, kind of the top. And due to the success of things, Nikki Haslam finds common. Um, it spawned a tea towel, which is called even more things. <laughs> Nikki. <laughs> Lamb finds common. Go on. And among the uh, illustrious list, there are items like art. He finds that common. Art is common. Mm-hmm. Uh, side plates. Oh, common as muck. <laughs> Butterfly stroke. Common as yes. muck. Yes. Yeah. Showing off. Award ceremony, celebrity ambassadors, uh, quote unquote, I hate having my photo taken. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you one more from the other side. Let's have a little look here. Uh-oh. Loud laughter. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Oh, drag. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. I, I got such a kick out of that. I think Alan Duffy showed me that years ago. The Nicky has them. Oh, it's so, so much fun. And they're Being available Ill. to buy. <laughs> they're they're available Halloween, to buy. Yeah. yeah. For good old crack. And I wanted to just uh, bring attention to the fact that uh, Mattel, yes. the makers of Barbie, have released uh, a Barbie queen. Uh, and nothing to do with HRH. drag. HRH. HRH. To celebrate her birthday. She's 96 yesterday. She's 96. They have produced uh, Queen Elizabeth II Barbie. I, I would really like that. And I'm now, not a royalist. Now, here you go. You would really like that because it falls into the taste category of kitsch. Yes. And the absolute... <laughs> That's me told. <laughs> the absolute <laughs> pinnacle, pinnacle of kitsch and the power of kitsch is your uh, Chris Kindle party every Christmas. Because Can we ulti- talk about this? Because k- kitsch is ultimately about a sense of humour. Yes. But kitsch can go wrong. Oh, yes. It can be in very bad taste. So every year I have a very exclusive private, invite only, <laughs> um, Chris Kindle party. And I'm going to do it for my birthday this year because we couldn't do it because of COVID last year. And I invite... It is the most fun... fun Ever. You can have standing up. And most people are falling down by the end of it. But you have to bring a gift. And I think I've, I capped the, the, the 30 euros, the cap, isn't it? Um, sometimes it's, if you're under, if you're under 30, I say tenner. If you're over 30, I'm like, spend 30 euro. But you have to bring a gift that everybody will want. They pile them on the table and then you get a, a number as you come in. And it normally ends up being myself and Rory shouting at people, but whatever. You get a number, you get number one, two, three. Say we're playing the game. I pick, I'm number one. I pick, it's, I can pick whatever I want off the table. It could be wrapped, not wrapped. I just pick it and take it. And it's say, it's HRH, the Queen Barbie, right? That's going to be a winner in that at that party. You then pick, if you don't like your present, you can take my present. And it goes on and on and on and on. So And it builds a head of steam, doesn't it, for people? So Do so, you, no, do you... N- do you get to open your present before you choose yours or do you decide so you're we, either going to open no, one? We missed, we messed up one year because I let Rory take over. And, um, <laughs> and many he, times and you never learn. And he screwed, screwed up. No, you. the best thing is you pick the present, you look at what you've got. So you could get a laptop or a mobile phone, but you want the, the HRH Barbie and you can just take that and you put that and you give that present to the person. So what happens is if you pick a crappy present, you can then pick. So, okay. so the big winner that stands out too Two big standouts. One was the twink plate. Correct. People went mental for that. Yeah. And then one was a gilded, framed, signed picture of me. 
That was very funny. <laughs> very funny. It was like a gilded, uh, and I and I saw, and it was a real cheesy picture of me signed, and um, people wanted that ironically, um, and a couple of ones have done ones mm. done very well. Somebody brought in a repair your virginity set. That was me. That was you. Yeah, <laughs> that was very popular. Uh, but it's and then somebody brought a huge, big, like a proper filing box full of hobnobs. That was quite. Declan brought that. Um, so now, may I say, I made that repair your virginity. Kit. I made it from scratch. Oh, yeah, what it's, what it's was very in competitive, it? this thing now. I know, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I had, you a, your I pre- had... You, she had scented oils, a candle, plasters. Mary in a snow <laughs> globe. <Mary> in <laughs> <a> snow. <laughs> um, one Chris, one Heal thy hymen. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Myself and Sarah Kaywood and she listens to the podcast. We both presented um, Blind Date Kiss and Tell, which was the ITV2 after Blind Date. Mm-hmm. And for Chris Kindle, we bought Silla Black a rear view mirror wrapped it and put it on her desk with a card that said watch your back <laughs> <laughs> that's good and did Silla take that well did she have a good sense of humour she did take it well she that's laughed. funny yeah that's funny so um, is that enough is that enough <laughs> can we go no um, so I just want to say one thing about uh, good taste bad taste yeah growing up it was uh, it was a new concept, good taste, bad taste. I think, right? So you're saying lifestyle stuff from the eighties, and I remember being quite proud of my mother's taste. It was kind of glam, but she, you know she was showy, but so she stood out. So it was quite nice. But I remember when we lived in in Kulak, there was some kids. My mother would say, "You can't play with them; they're common." Imagine she would say that out loud. Like it was shocking, right? When I look back now, and that was acceptable to say that she's com- they're common, like unbelievable judgment. Uh, snobbery when we live in the exact same road in the exact same house probably in the exact they probably earned more money than my father who knows right but you can't play with them and that was an acceptable thing to say I remember being a kid and saying my mum said I can't play with you because you're common <laughs> nice I'd say that went down well imagine though not, I mean that judgement no longer exists I'm sure with me anyway but my mother still thinks people are common <laughs> I think it's pretty pervasive do you still. think so yeah I do because it's about it's about uh, it's who, who can I position myself at Above socially, Gosh, that's what it's about. Blimey! I mean, that's 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 human nature as well. Yeah, but to hang it off an accent or a person's where the person's from. I mean, when we were growing up, you couldn't. My mother would say, "Say, tell people we live in our town. Don't say Kulak." I was like, "Well, we don't live in our town. We live in Kulak." My <laughs> favorite thing to do. So, Dave is from Ballybrack. My favorite thing to do if I meet somebody from that part of the world, I say, "Oh, uh, oh, you know, you know." Uh, David Smith, do you? And I said, oh yeah. Now your torch is on. I am turning it off. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I said, but he, he's he's from uh, he's from Kalini. No, oh yeah. No, he's from Ballybrack. No, he always says he's from Kalini. Oh. Just to piss him off. <laughs> <laughs> mean, mean, mean. Um, I'm looking for something. But all here. that postcode snobbery does that still exist? Yeah, I'm from Kingswood but I'm not from Kingswood Heights which is up the hill right and Kingswood Heights growing up is where all the so white Georgian funny. houses are no yeah. no listen to this and I would say to Dublin people who in London would say where you're from and they'd hear of Kingswood Heights so there's a Kingswood in Newcastle in, in Kildare right so Dublin people from West Dublin would know Kingswood Heights so you say Kingswood and Wayne said to me once my partner stop saying Heights why I was like because Heights means high rise towers in London if you have Kingswood Heights people think you're from the flats I'm like well I don't mind that I, I'm like I don't care he said but no you can't say that I'm like well I can't say that and I'm going to continue to say that because I don't funny, care what, I don't care what you English people think of me I said and you mince right out of there I mince right out of there <laughs> I'm from the Heights alright alright have gone full circle yeah. you started it posh <laughs> and now I'm East End didn't I <laughs> 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 
The Lennon Courtney podcast is an Exceed Potential production. Episodes are produced by ELMD Productions and social media is managed by Julie Gartland. Follow at Lennon Courtney on all social media platforms for the latest news and updates. New episodes are released every Thursday. Thank you.